Hello, and welcome to Peter Pan Man Dan, a podcast about fatherhood. I'm Dan, a screenwriter and first-time father, and these are my adventures. This is the last episode of Season 2 of Peter Pan Man Dan. It's called The Magic-Eyed Dolphin, and is about finally seeing the magic of parenting. Do you want kids? I remember Meredith asking. We were a few months into dating. We had entered that special time when you begin sorting out whether you're having a fling or could build a life together. We were walking along the palm tree and rose garden decorated Santa Monica Bluffs in Palisades Park. It's one of the more beautiful parts of the world. A place you can go to clear your head and think, hey, maybe life isn't all shit and misery. You mean like right now? I said back to Meredith's kid question. No, like in a few years, she said. I looked out at the ocean, the waves gently rolling onto the shore. I had moved to Santa Monica a few years earlier after living in Hollywood right behind Roscoe's Chicken and Waffle on Gower. It was a stressful, noisy, high-traffic neighborhood. I often felt like Tom Hanks's character in Big when he first turns big and sleeps in that scary hotel in New York City full of prostitutes and gangsters. I had relocated to Santa Monica because I wanted to live closer to the ocean. I didn't care about the beach. I actually hate the beach. I sunburn too easily to ever fully relax there. I also don't like digging sand out of weird crevices for days after a visit. I moved because other parts of LA felt overwhelmingly endless. The ocean cut the city off made it seem more manageable, like the world was both bigger and smaller all at once. And it was better. My head was clearer so I could focus on getting my life up and running. My anxiety decreased. My writing improved. I stopped drinking, started exercising, shit like that. I was so focused on pulling my life out of the dumpster after the passing of my dad that I hadn't thought much about having children. Experiencing how sad life could get always gave me pause. It made me wonder if I wanted to subject another human to this shit. But I ultimately still felt like I wanted them. Kids always seemed like a massive part of the human experience. The next phase of life after you have your own life sort of figured out. I mean, yeah, I think so, I said. You think so? said Meredith. I looked over at Meredith. Her beauty was amplified by the golden sun lighting her up like an angel under a spotlight. I could already tell that she was going to be a good mom, a good partner, and lots of fun to reproduce with, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I do. I want to, when I'm ready, I said. Okay, good. Me too. When I'm ready, she said. Several years later, after my Peter Pan man Dan ass had delayed for as long as possible... We felt like we were ready. We lucked out and Meredith got pregnant fast, dodging all that pain and struggle that some couples have to experience. We continued to feel ready throughout the pregnancy. But once Theo arrived, it started to settle in how hard caring for a newborn was. We started to realize that no matter how mentally prepared you feel, having your first child is going to be a shock to your system and turn your life upside down. Anyone who tells you differently either isn't involved in newborn childcare or is straight up lying to you. 
So as we continued our journey out of Neverland and through Baby Hell, I thought back to that walk with Meredith. I wondered if I should have said, fuck no, I don't want kids, <laughs> then raced to a urologist to get a vasectomy. I could have kept my life frozen in amber instead of rolling the dice on this new reality. I mean, was this baby shit really worth it? Everyone says how magical kids are, but I still wasn't completely feeling it, despite all my best efforts. I felt like a dumbass in the 90s unable to see the dolphin in a magic eye book. But then, it happened. It was shortly after I got back from my pal's wedding in Las Vegas. I was rejuvenated following my selfish road trip adventure. So, I was trying extra hard to be a great dad. I was hanging with Theo after feeding him a bottle of pumped breast milk. We had started calling it Cream of Mommy, which I now realize sounds way grosser than it's meant to. Theo was in his baby Bjorn bouncer chair, sitting as contently as a baby can. I was next to him on a Muji beanbag that was mostly used by Maple since it's so soft and comfortable. I was doing my usual fun dad clown act, making funny faces and fart noises, still barking up that tree. I could have been the poster boy for that Einstein quote, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. I said, little droplets of spittle flying from my mouth, my cheeks puffed out like a sad chipmunk's. Theo looked at me blankly like he usually did. But then, suddenly, the edges of his lips started to arch upward his toothless mouth opened. Out of it came the most beautiful, awe-inspiring noise I have ever heard in my life. Laughter. After months of trying, Theo finally laughed at my fart noises. I felt like the star of one of those inspirational Disney sports movies. I was Rudy on the Notre Dame football field, finally getting in the game. I was so elated that I almost started crying which probably would have made me the first person in history to start crying after making a series of fart noises. I picked Theo up out of the baby Bjorn and held him in the air like Simba in The Lion King. I continued making some of the best fart noises I had ever made in my life. Theo continued laughing the most adorable giggles that have ever been giggled. Whoa, is he laughing? Asked Meredith as she ran in from folding Theo's clothes in the other room. Yep, check it out, I said. Theo laughed again. I laughed back at him. He laughed even harder. I laughed harder too. The two of us giggled. I'm not exactly sure what we were laughing at. Probably the absurdity of life or about how ridiculous everything we had been through in the last several months was. But we chucked it up. I suddenly got it. I saw the magic eye dolphin. All the sleepless nights, all the changed diapers, all the sacrificing my selfish Peter Pan Man Dan activities, all the pee that had been peed directly on my face and Chris Farley t-shirt, it now felt worth it because my son, my little pal, was laughing. He was finally starting to pay us back for everything we had dumped into him, and then some. Since I'm an insecure person, I like anyone who finds me funny. And well, it seemed to me that Theo finally found me funny. I mean, things would still be hard. This would still be hell. But giggles would be the fuel to get us through anything. That's the most adorable thing I've ever seen, Meredith said. It truly is, I said. Over the next couple of days, Theo continued laughing. Not just at the fart noises, 
but at most things Meredith and I did. Any facial expression, any weird noises. He even started giggling in his sleep. It was becoming increasingly apparent that we had a happy baby on our hands. I wanted to track down Harvey Karp, the author of The Happiest Baby on the Block, and bang on his door. Then, when he opened, say, it worked, while holding up a giggling Theo as proof. I'd then give poor Harvey Karp a Bugs Bunny-like kiss on the lips. He'd then probably shout to his wife to call the police. We have the happiest fucking baby on the block. I'd manically scream as I took off running, the sirens closing in on us. Instead of doing that, Theo and I just stayed put, hanging out in his baby Bjorn bouncer, laughing it up. God, babies really are a miracle, I said to Meredith. Yeah, they are, she said. I made another fart noise and Theo giggled. Total miracle, I said, shaking my head in disbelief. Meredith had to fly back to New Jersey for her Uncle Chris's funeral. Pretty fucked up that our only break from hell was a funeral. I wanted to go to pay my respects as well, but there was no way we were ready for a cross-country flight with our little man, even if he was giggling now. I had a quick mental flash of him shitting all over the airplane. We'd have to make an emergency landing in Des Moines, Iowa, while a plane full of disgruntled strangers gave us death stares. So I volunteered to stay home and watch Theo like some sort of hero. Put that on my world's greatest dad highlight reel before presenting me the award. I asked my mom to come from Salt Lake City to help me. It's not that I didn't think I could watch Theo by myself for the 36 hours that Meredith would be gone, but I figured it'd be better to have an extra set of hands around if something went wrong. Or if I needed a shower or take a dump. Raising a baby certainly isn't a one-person job. All that it-takes-a-village shit is absolutely true. Meredith pumped a couple days' worth of cream of mommy out of her Pamela Andersons and headed to the airport. She was sad to leave Theo behind, crying as she said goodbye. She had been working her ass off, giving everything she had to Theo. And she had done a wonderful job. The two had already formed an indestructible, lifelong bond. I was certainly nervous about having to watch over Theo without her coaching me along. But part of me was also looking forward to it. I wanted to prove to myself and to Meredith that I could do it. I felt like the backup quarterback being tossed into the final drive of the big game. I just hoped a linebacker didn't rip my MCL in half after the first snap. And shit, maybe Theo and I would bond even more, if that was even possible after our fart noise breakthrough. We're going to be okay, little buddy, I said. Sounds good, Dad. When in doubt, just make a fart noise, Theo implied. I said causing him to giggle. My mom arrived late because she had bonded with the Uber driver on her way from LAX. Sorry I'm late. I was crying and hugging the Uber driver. He had a dead brother, she said. Cool, normal. I'll take it you gave him five stars, I asked. And my phone number, she said. My mom is a chatterbox, an affliction that has become even more severe in the last couple of years. Since she's a widow, she's often alone. She thus strikes up conversations with whoever will listen often placing her big, beating heart right on her sleeve. So, strangers tend to do the same. My mom unpacked some clothes and her hair rollers from the three suitcases she brought along. She was only staying a couple of nights, but she never packed light. She eventually emerged from the guest room to hang with Theo and me in the living room, just as I was making a hilarious fart noise. Look at him laugh, my mom said. He loves fart noises, I said, looking blissed out. He truly is your kid. No paternity test needed, she said. We went for a walk in Theo's stroller. 
He's just such a good little guy, my mom said as we pushed him around. Yeah, he's great, just a little goofball, I said as Theo looked over at me and giggled. He's so alert now, said my mom. I know, it's like he woke up one day and decided he didn't want to be a newborn anymore, I said. Well, it's because you're doing a great job, said my mom. Not me, Meredith is, she's a badass, she's doing a great job, I said. Danny, you are too, she said. Doesn't feel that way, still feels like I mostly don't know what I'm doing, I said. Every parent feels that way. The truth is, no one really knows what they're doing. If people had all the answers to this parenting shit, they'd be gazillionaires, she said. I'm just constantly worried that I'm not doing enough, not being good enough of a dad, I confessed. You are. Hell, I remember your dad didn't do shit when you guys were babies. He'd just go to work all day, come home, and sleep. One night, you, Tiffany, and Greg were all up while your dad snored his ass off. I resented him so much that I filled a pitcher of cold water and poured it on his head, she said. Holy shit, you waterboarded dad? I asked. I know you guys put your dad on a fucking pedestal and think he was perfect because he's dead, but he wasn't. He made mistakes. It took him some time before he really started embracing being a dad. It was a while before he turned into the dad you guys worshipped, she said. Oh, I assumed he was always great, I said. Nah, you're a better dad at this point than he was, she said. No way, I don't believe that. I've mostly sucked at this, I reiterated. You don't suck, trust me. I tell you if you did, you little shit, she said. I smiled at her. I wasn't sure if she was just trying to make me feel better because I had been hard on myself, or if what she was saying was true. But regardless, it worked. I felt slightly more confident. I was at least doing an okay job. And it was weirdly nice to hear that it took my dad some time to mature into fatherhood. This shit is just so much work. How did you and dad do this five fucking times? I asked, referring to my four other siblings. We did it because of love. Love gets addictive. We just loved you kids so much. We wanted more and more of it. And look, it will keep being hard. But there's nothing more special than watching your kids grow up. There will be moments when Theo pisses you off so much you want to throw him against a wall. But he'll also do these things that make you so incredibly proud. Hell, I'm having a proud parent moment right now, she said while looking over at me. I'm proud of you, Danny boy. You're a great father. I almost started crying. My mom had delivered the perfect compliment. I guess that's what's great about great parents. They know just what to say when you need to hear it the most. Well... You and dad were awesome parents, so I learned from the best, I said, feeling the warmth and security of being loved. It's wonderful that you have a kid, Danny, because now you'll finally understand how much I love you, she told me. And I did. I suddenly appreciated everything she had done for me over the years. I had no idea it was so much work. We take our parents for granted until we become one, until we see the other side of Oz's curtain. I don't think I said thank you enough to you and dad, I told my mom. You certainly didn't, you little shit, joked my mom. Well, thank you, mom, I said. I didn't really know what else to say, so I looked down at Theo in his stroller, the ocean breeze cooling his fat cheeks, and made a fart noise. <laughs> we survived a couple of days without Meredith. Theo mostly giggled, but also had a couple of witching hour outbursts just to keep me on my toes and remind me that he was still a baby. 
The time I spent almost exclusively taking care of him was good for me. It proved to myself that I wasn't as bad at being a dad as I thought I was. I could do all the tedious baby caregiving shit, and I could also do the fun dad stuff. For the first time, everything felt more manageable. Meredith returned from the funeral and took back over as Theo's primary caregiver and breast milk feeder. Shortly after, we realized that we had passed the three-month mark, indicating the end of what people consider to be the most intense period with a newborn. There is no celebration or ceremony, no caps and gowns, Disney fireworks didn't shoot out of our asses, no switch was flipped. Instead, we just kept on keeping on. We settled more and more into our routine. We got more and more used to baby hell. We tried accepting what is, as my neighbor Sheila put it. That's half the battle with your first kid. You try to make him bend to your schedule and your old life. Instead, you have to realize that your wishes and desires no longer rank as a top priority. Keeping another human alive and healthy and giggling to fart noises is much, much more important than anything else. Once you accept that certain aspects of your life will be different forever, it does get easier. I had changed as much as Theo had in those early months, but I did begin to sprinkle back parts of my old life, letting the new and old coalesce into something entirely different. I still couldn't go for a jog every evening like before, but I'd sneak a couple of runs in on the weekends, or a Peloton ride after Theo dozed off at night. I started to see more friends, and I was able to watch more movies, coming to terms with the fact that I'd just have to view them in at least five sittings over the course of a week. I fell asleep during Dune something like 11 times, but I made it through. Great movie. And boy, is Timmy Chalamet a smoke show or what? I developed more of a regular work schedule. I started to find that adding Theo didn't subtract from my work, but rather made it richer and fuller. As a result, my silly dream still felt possible. So, life marched on for me. I don't know if everyone should have kids. Some people most certainly should not. I completely support and even envy anyone who decides not to. If you're even a little on the fence about it, no harm in not having them. I think you can live a very full and happy life without them. I'm not going to be like, stop! listening and go start a family if you haven't already because the truth is that parts of it really suck and that suck isn't for everyone it's why some moms pile their kids into the family car and drive them into a lake or why deadbeat dads hit the road running from their old lives to start a new one but i will say that children are a fucking trip they give you a totally different perspective and deepen your understanding of humanity Sure, it takes away parts of your life that you may never get back, but it also pays you dividends in other ways that eventually add up to more than you lost. You'll never know anyone as deeply as you know your child. You're there from the second they're born. You're around to witness every achievement and milestone, there to watch them grow, develop interests, form a personality, become a person. And as they do, every achievement begins to feel like a small miracle. Adults have become what they're going to be for the most part. They've grown up to be firefighters or lawyers or bankers or basketball players or chefs or even assholes. But for babies, it's wide open. They could become anything. And there really is something magical, something invigorating, 
something hopeful about being there to nurture them as they do. Don't worry, I'm not going to close this season of Peter Pan Man Dan acting like parenting is all rainbows and sunshine. Theo, Meredith, Maple, and I certainly aren't dancing through the streets of Santa Monica shouting about how fucking blessed we are as $100 bills rain down upon us, mainly because Maple is way too lazy to ever dance. I won't close with some cheesy-ass line like, We were no longer in hell, but rather in heaven. Barf. The truth is that the hell clouds will forever loom in the distance, waiting to strike again. But I will say that hell does start to look and feel different after a while. It doesn't hit as hard as it did in those first few months. Maybe it's that you get used to it. Maybe it's that it really does get easier. Maybe it's that your baby starts to reward you with these micro-miracles. Maybe it's that you've learned a thing or two. That's not to say that there still aren't ups and downs. Things feel manageable at times, impossible at others. Too fast or too slow. There's still crying and diapers and sleepless nights and appearances from Dickhead Dan and Night Meredith. But at the end of the day, there's also giggles and smiles. What matters is that we've stuck together as a family through it all. One afternoon, Meredith and I put Theo in his stroller, Maple in the undercarriage. We rolled down to the Santa Monica Bluffs as a family. I had what was probably my fifth mass of coffee of the day in my hand. Meredith had a diaper bag slung over her shoulder like a mama warrior. Leaving the house wasn't the same panic-inducing event it used to be. It was easier now that we are a well-oiled machine. Once we arrived at Palisades Park, we parked Theo's stroller under the shade of a palm tree, right by where Meredith and I had had our first chat about having kids all those years ago. Meredith looked over at me as I sipped my coffee. God, dare I say we're sort of figuring this shit out, she said. Yeah, we kind of are, for now, I said. So, you want to have another kid? She asked. You mean like right now? I said. No, like in a year, she said. I mean, yeah, I think so, I said. You think so? Meredith said with a smirk. Yeah. I do. I want another. When I'm ready, I said. Okay, good. Me too. When I'm ready, she said. I reached over and pulled Meredith in for a hug, giving her a little love you double tap on her wrist. We looked down at Theo and smiled. He looked back up at us. And then he shit his diaper, giggling like a hell demon as he did. This has been Peter Pan Man Dan, a Mangano Movies and Media Podcast. Thanks for listening.